is week number six in our uh, journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. We've entitled it Under the Sun, one of the most unique books in the Bible. Unique uh, because it records uh, the adventures of King Solomon, uh, the son of King David, and it records his experience of drifting and wandering and being far away from Jehovah God. And at the end of his life, uh, he comes back to the Lord, but he records his experiment in trying to find meaning and satisfaction and purpose in life apart from doing it God's way. So just think about that. He's uh, one of, if not the most wealthy men in all of history, uh, estimates of $2 trillion north of that uh, was his uh, today's equivalent of money he had. So he could lean into this experiment like you and I could never imagine. Just understand, he was able to get into, see, can I find meaning and purpose and satisfaction in life apart from the God of the Bible? Last week we looked at Ecclesiastes chapter 6 where King Solomon warned us about the dangers of wealth and money. Today, this uh, likely elderly king of Israel is going to share wisdom that he's acquired the hard way. So, just understand, this wasn't like an easy thing. He's, he's been for decades far away from the Lord, and now he comes back. And he's sharing with us his conclusions, inspired by God Almighty and His Spirit. So we get his conclusions, and these conclusions today, i got to tell you, on Sunday night I read the first uh, six verses, and then on I read the entire chapter, uh, chapter 7, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. What in the world is that all about? It seems strange, it seems bizarre, but the more I read as the week went on and you drill down into his wisdom, it sounds so strange because it goes so against how we normally think. That, that's, that's the thing. Uh, he's got powerful, crazy good stuff for us to learn here, uh, and we're going to focus today on the first six verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 7. So... If you're able, would you please stand with me? And we're going to read out loud. And I promise you, when you first read it, if you haven't been reading it, you're going to think, well, that, that's kind of strange words. Yep, it is. But we're going to take some time to dig in and find out exactly what it's saying. Ready? Here we go. A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Frustration is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. 
This too is meaningless. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, would you help us today? Because this certainly isn't the way we think. Uh, Almost everything we just read goes against the way our normal, natural, carnal minds work. So we're going to need your spirit today, especially uh, to come and fill and be welcomed in your church today. And Lord, more specifically, we need your spirit to be welcomed into each and every one of our hearts and minds. I love what we just sang. We surrender all. We slide off the throne. We slide away from the driver's seat. And we invite your son Jesus to come and be king, ruler, boss, Lord. You take charge and help us to hear from you. Lord, help us to learn today as we study and dig into your word. And uh, probably more than most Sundays, Lord, would you wake us up? (laughs) Wake us up physically, wake us up spiritually, emotionally. Lord, wake us up all over in every area of our lives. Lord, speak loud and clear. We're ready to hear from you. And all the church family at Wallen Lake said with one united voice, Amen. You can be seated. Here's the main point. If you got to sleep this morning, here it is. Get it, write it down. Then you can uh, head back into dreamland if that's where you're at today, okay? I'll, I'll work hard. Uh, I'll be extra loud. Andrew, you might want to turn me up a bit. Some folks uh, might need that today. Sorrow, grief, frustration, anger, pain, uh, death. These are the things that God uses to mature us and refine us. So we don't remain foolish and unwise and immature. So so just let that soak in just for a moment. Sorrow, grief, frustration, anger, pain, death. Those are the tools that God uses to grow us up and mature us and refine us. But what's interesting, those are the very things that almost universally we despise and hate. I hate when I go through seasons of sorrow or grief or frustration, anger, pain, and death. These are the things that most people we run away from, we fight really hard not to have times like this. But those indeed are the tools that God uses to grow us up, to make us wise, to not stay babies in our faith. We begin, verse 1, chapter 7. A good name is better than fine perfume. Today, you can go to almost any store and find perfume. Uh, You can even go into a lot of stores and find really good perfume comparatively to biblical times at a really good price. Even if you spend $100 on perfume, uh, that's cheap compared to what perfume cost in biblical days. Um, It was expensive, and unless you were very wealthy, 
you only used perfume on special occasions, like your wedding. They used perfume on the sick. It often had medicinal purposes. If you went to a, a really special banquet, uh, perfume was used, you see that in the life of Jesus, uh, at funerals, on bodies. So please understand, uh, this was expensive, and unless you were really wealthy, you couldn't afford expensive, fine perfume very often. And I think that's what Solomon is saying. I'm really wealthy, <laughs> and I can afford perfume, cologne, you might say, for men every day. And he said, here's what I want you to understand. Perfume, it'll make you smell good for a day or two. But what he's saying is, look at the rest of it, but a good name, good character, a good reputation, that makes your life smell good every day for an entire lifetime. Got it? So you got this really expensive stuff, and if you put it on, if you can afford it, you'll smell pretty good for a day or two, but if you'll take the time to get good character, good reputation, a good name, your life is going to smell good for a lifetime. He's telling us, make sure that you're not spending all your time and your energy smelling good on the outside and not paying attention to the inside. And I would say for most of us, we spend far more time worried about how we look to others on the outside and not enough time paying attention to the inside. And he's saying, when you're not spending enough time focused on the inside stuff, that's foolish. That's short-sighted thinking. Yeah, it's nice to smell good. It's so much better to have your character look good everywhere you go. We move on. Last part of verse 1. A good name is better than fine perfume. This one is kind of strange at first. And the day of death is better than the day of birth. Let that soak in. We, we probably could argue back and say, I don't think so. Because in this world we live in, we believe uh, under the sun, apart from God Almighty, that death is the end of everything. This world fights hard because once you're dead, that's the end of, of life, and now you're just food for the worms, right? That's how the world thinks. Those who don't know Jesus fight and wrestle and get angry and they shout at death because in their minds, this is it. When you breathe your last breath here on earth, that's all there is. But contrast that with what God's word says is true about followers of Jesus Christ. Revelation 21, verse 4. This has like become one of my favorite verses. You know, the older you get, you say, you know, it looks pretty good because here's what it says. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's coming a day and when you breathe your last breath, it'll be the end of tears, the end of death, the end of mourning, the end of crying, the end of pain. How many of you would say that sounds pretty good, right? 
right? Yeah. You say, uh, yeah, this life is, is a gift and we're blessed to enjoy it, but we have something to look forward to that's far better. 2 Corinthians 5.8 tells us that to be absent from this body is to be present with who? Okay. You want to give another run? Okay, wake it up. Here we go. To be absent from this body means that we're going to be present with who? With the Lord Jesus. So, uh, last breath on earth. Exhale with me, would you? Come on, let's do it together. Wait, play along. You, you need to stay awake. Now breathe in, because the next breath is going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. You understand? He, he's telling us that we have something to really look forward to. All of us who know Jesus by faith, the cross, the empty tomb, when we say our last breath, when the, the brain quits waving, we're with Jesus Christ in the new heaven and the new earth. And that's way better than when we first entered this world. Yeah, that, that's good, and that's start, and that's life, and that's amazing, but we, when you first get born, you're facing all of life's struggles and pain, and he's saying at the end of your life, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're facing glory, your eternal rest. Good stuff. But it's not the way we normally think, is it? Verse 2, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Same theme, it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone, the living should take this to heart. Okay, I've prepared a little quiz for you, okay? So again, uh, I want you to say it out loud. Would you rather go to a birthday party with food and fun and cake, or would you rather go to a funeral, sad, somber, tears, okay? So just, just tell me your, your quick answer. Would you rather go to the birthday party or a funeral? What's your answer? Oh, yeah. Everybody, yeah. That's not even a hard question. Okay, here's the second question. Would you rather go to Stafford's Bayview Inn for their brunch, or would you rather go to visit a widow whose husband had just died? Now tell me, Stafford's for brunch, or go visit a widow whose husband just died? And your answer is, Stafford's, I'll go to brunch. Yeah, it, it's, that's not even hard, yeah. Solomon is saying, look back at verse 2, that funerals force us to face the reality and the certainty of death. And I'll just give you a little side note. More and more people I see, they refuse to go to funerals. I will not, I don't want anything. Why? Because they don't want to think or be pushed into considering their own mortality. I, I don't go there. I don't let my mind go there. And that's what Solomon is saying. It's healthy for us to go there. Now he's not saying, give me your eyes. Don't, we don't get carried. He's not saying it's wrong to feast and celebrate and enjoy the good gifts of life. Last week, Look back at verse 18 of chapter 6. He said, enjoy the good gifts that God brings your way. So he's not saying it's, it's wrong to enjoy a feast and to celebrate and all the good things that the Lord brings our lives. But he is wisely saying that at parties and banquets and feasts and brunches, 
we don't learn much. Think with me. You, you don't grow much. You don't mature much at a birthday party. When you're going and having this wonderful feast, uh, you're not maturing almost never. But he's saying, but at funerals, when you're forced to go and spend time with those who are mourning, you're forced to think about life. How the dead person is being remembered, and then suddenly you're saying, how am I going to be remembered? And how do I want people to remember me? And suddenly now, you're thinking about important things that we're usually not willing to think about. I don't think about that. I don't let my mind go there. And Solomon's saying, it's healthy. You should go there more often. It helps us to grow and mature and make adjustments as needed. Verse 3. Frustration is better than laughter. Because a sad face is good for the heart. Isn't that strange? Yeah. Sorrow, grief, frustration, anger, pain, death. Solomon is trying to tell us they churn up things in our lives that we prefer to ignore. Most of us, we'd like to ignore the hard stuff. I'd rather laugh. I want to joke. I want to go to a party. I want to ignore the pain and the frustration. And he's saying, that's not wise. That's a foolish plan if you refuse to pay attention to the stuff that the hard things in life churn up and bring to the surface of our lives. Verse 4. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. He's relentless, isn't he? He just won't. Solomon will not let up. He says, we can head to the house of mourning where the Lord will begin doing some soul surgery in our lives. Uh, we can surround our lives with family and friends that we can go and mourn with and cry with and they'll pray with you and they'll walk through the hard times with you. Your season of mourning or, what is he saying? Or we can just run with the fools. And the fools are those who want to ignore the pain, the grief, the hard things, the frustration. Let's just, uh, let's just get high. Let's get drunk. Let's numb the pain. Let's buy some new gadget, some new toy to distract us so we don't have to think about the hard things. Uh, let, let, let's go get a new wife or a new husband because it's too hard to work through the hard stuff with them. That's foolish thinking, he's telling us. So, we have a choice. Are you ready? Here's the choice we all make. Surround yourself with godly men and women who will encourage you and walk with you and pray with you as you go through hard times. Or you can run with the herd of fools of this world. And most people, he's saying, run with the, the herd of fools. Put your hands over your ears. Do everything you can to ignore the pain and the sorrow and the grief and the frustration and the anger and the pain and death of this world. Numb the pain. Head to the house of pleasure. 
is, is the motto of fools. Short-term pleasure, by the way. It's, it's, it's sweet for a season, and then it goes really sour. Verse 5. It's better to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to the song of fools. <laughs> it's better to heed the rebuke of a really wise person. You know, he's saying we all need people in our lives who we allow to get in our faces when I'm headed for the ditch. Track with me now. Because at times we all go a bit brain dead. We all, at times, we're not thinking clearly. You need to have people in your life that you've invited to come in and help me out during those times. Because we will all have times where we're headed for crash and burn. And I need people in my I need godly people in my life who have a backbone who are willing to speak to me when I'm behaving foolishly. And frankly, so do you. We all need those people that we've invited in. Come on, tell me. Otherwise, look, look at the, the other part of verse 5. Otherwise, you're going to invite people only in your life who will sing silly songs with Jeff. Right? It's never your fault, Jeff. You're always right. You're right. Uh, we'll just fiddle and sing while your life burns to the ground. We'll ignore it. We'll pretend it doesn't exist. Silly songs. You, you can have those people in your life. Or you can invite some people, and I would say several somebodies, to look you in the eye and say, what, what are you doing? You've just gone stupid on us. Why, why are you doing that? Why would you go there? Why would you say that? Why would you make that plan? I just want you to know... <laughs> I've been blessed here at Walloon for 28 years with men like Pastor Bob and Pastor Ward and Kevin Cleaborn and Paul Terrio and Myron Matz and Doug Gabrielson and Lynn Groff and Kurt Reynolds and Jeff Bradford, Pastor Chad now. I could just keep going on who served with me side by side for 10, 20, 25, 28 years. Listen and thank the Lord for them. And thank the Lord for a wife of 36 plus years who's so patient and smiles and usually waits for just the right time and says, honey, do you really think that's a smart thing? <laughs> and then I say, yeah, you're probably right. That, do you understand? You, you need, I, the older I get, the more I realize how much I need wise men and women who are allowed to disagree with me, because you know what? I'm regularly wrong. And so are you. <laughs> and he's saying, foolish people, they, they don't want those people. Just, just tell me I'm wonderful. Just sing a silly song with me, uh, and, and we'll all just fiddle our way as our lives burn to the ground. No, we need people in our lives, godly men and women, who will be lifeguards. Think of them as lifeguards, and when I'm out swimming and I'm about to drown or get eaten by the sharks, they'll love me enough to speak up. Solomon's saying, you, you need those people. You don't just need to be singing songs with the fools. Verse 6. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too it's meaningless. 
The idea here is they didn't have stoves back in this time. You understand that, right? It was a campfire. And uh, oftentimes, uh, if you were in a hurry, you didn't have time to get good wood, so you'd get some thorns, and they're crackling under the pot, and, and it sounds, he makes that comparison to the laughter of fools. I think what he's saying is the fool with his life on fire giggles and snickers. Yeah, I know my life and my family and my marriage are burning to the ground, but <laughs> let's just laugh instead of listening and thinking about that. This fallen world, apart from Jesus Christ, give me your eyes, we would prefer in our own sinful flesh, I want to pretend it doesn't exist. I want to ignore it Stick your finger in your ears and pretend that everything is just fine. Yeah, my marriage is on fire and in great danger. My finances are broken and smoldering in ruins. Addictions are destroying my life and my family. Uh, Solomon's saying, wise people don't ignore and pretend that everything's okay when your life is on understand? Wise people, godly, I'm telling you, he says, don't just pretend that it's okay. The wise scream out and run to Jesus and run to God's people and we, we run to them for treatment and help and comfort in our times of distress. That's what wisdom dictates. Or you can be the fool and pretend that everything's fine when really... Things are awful. I want to go to the New Testament with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because the Apostle Paul had a perspective on sorrow and grief and frustration and anger and pain and death. And he shares that with us in verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, his was unique, but all of our situations are unique, right? Um, it tells us uh, that the Lord allowed Satan to bring to Paul's life a thorn. A messenger of Satan uh, presents Paul with a thorn. And he doesn't tell us what exactly it is. Lots of people guess. He had bad eyesight. Uh, some say maybe he had malaria. I mean, there's all sorts of things, but we don't really know. But here's his perspective on the trouble, the sorrow, the frustration, the pain and the anger that he dealt with. Three times, Paul writes, I pleaded with the Lord, please take this thorn away from me. But Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul writes, here's his conclusion, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Read that last line with me. For when I am, then I am. For when I am, then I am. That's, that's hard to get on the hard drive, isn't it? Weakness actually makes us reliant on the Lord. 
It's not a matter of if we're going to face seasons of sorrow, grief, frustration, anger, pain, and death. It's not a matter of if, it's only a matter of what? When. It, it, and some of you, your win is right now. Right now, you're right in the middle of it. And here's what he's telling us. The wise man, the wise woman, surrounds herself, surrounds himself with godly women and godly men. Why? Because we need people who will care and pray and encourage and remind us when we're weak. Jesus Christ is walking right at you. He's the good shepherd. He's going to get you through this and we're going to walk at your side as well. That's what the wise do. And the foolish man instead gets drunk and gets high and watches porn and spends money he doesn't have to numb the pain. The foolish run with the herd of fools. And eventually what happens to the herd of fools? Any guesses? Mark 5.13. Remember the pigs that Jesus throws the demons in? Do you know what eventually happens to the herd of fools? The pigs, 2,000 of them rush over the cliff and they land in the water and they drown. That's where the herd of fools eventually is going to wind up. Now Jesus in his wisdom and mercy wants to surface and bring to the top the crud and the garbage that we like to ignore and pretend doesn't exist. That's what he's trying to do with sorrow and grief and frustration and anger and pain and death in our lives. So, final question. Going to surround yourself with godly people you're going to allow those things to surface and deal with them? Or will you just run with the fools and pretend and ignore and hope it goes away? Let's pray. Lord, uh, your book is honest and real and gritty. And oftentimes it's even kind of painful to dig into, but it's true, and it's alive, and it's a mirror, and it makes us look at things that we wouldn't choose to look at otherwise. So Lord, I want to pray especially for those that are here today, my friends, who are in the middle of one of those painful, frustrating, grief-filled seasons. Lord, I pray that they might cry out in their weakness, first of all, to your son, Jesus. And Lord, help them to reach out to godly men and women around them, to surround themselves with, with Jesus and his church. And Lord, it's tempting to run with the fools. The truth is, it's tempting to run like most of this world does, to try their best to ignore and pretend the pain and the frustration and the sorrow and the grief don't exist. So Lord, help us to shine real bright to those folks around us. And Lord, if we're tempted to, to ignore and to, to run away, Lord, I pray that you might even draw us back, even, even right now to you.
And now as the uh, ushers come forward, Lord, we're, we're grateful that we can reach out with love for those who uh, need some help, who need some hope, who need some encouragement and comfort in their times of need. So I pray for those in the church family that these gifts are going to help out. I pray for those in the community around us who are a part of the Community Needs Program that will be shown the practical love of Jesus Christ with these gifts. We love you. We're grateful that we can gather today united as your family today in your church at Walloon Lake. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Thank you.